You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Beautiful day. Kids are in the service. Kids are in the house. Yay! Rattle, rattle, rattle. There you go. Uh, good to see you. My name is David, one of the pastors here. And uh, we are carrying on in a series in the book of Acts, which is a book in the New Testament. And just, just to kind of situate what the book of Acts is all about, it's the story of the early church. And the events that take place in the book of Acts take place in the immediate aftermath of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the book of Acts is, is, is a story of what happens when the Spirit of God falls upon those who put their faith, their hope, their trust in the person of Jesus Christ, in his life, death, and resurrection. And it's a story of how God transforms lives. In fact, as we read today, we'll come across a fellow named Peter. And if you know the story of Peter, you know that there's a huge difference from the, the fellow Peter that we meet in the Gospels, the, the, the life of, of Jesus, and Peter that we meet in the book of Acts. Um, if you read about Peter in, 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 in the Gospels, he's a guy who's constantly afraid. He's constantly overwhelmed by fear, by confusion, and by anxiety. The story goes, he even denies Jesus. When, when Jesus is arrested and people see Peter and they hey, weren't you with him? He's like, man, I don't even know the guy. That's where he gets, gets to. But then we look at Peter after he encounters the reality of the resurrection, receiving the Holy Spirit, and man, what a change. It's the same guy, but different person. Now, Here's the thing, many of you here this morning, you could give witness to the same kind of change in your own life, can't you? The difference that Jesus has made in your own life. Same individual, but different person. Now, on one hand, this transformation that we, that we come across is surprising, but then again, it's not. Because we read back in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus, he promises this kind of transformation for all of his followers. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. And last week, we got a glimpse of, of what a transformed community could look like. And Pastor Sam led us in uh, looking at uh, Acts chapter 2. And the reality is, is that when God is at work, nothing is ever the same again. Our lives will never be the same again. Now, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the story of one particular man. And it's a reminder, and I've said this many times, but it's a reminder that God is a God who works in specifics. God does not love humanity as a concept. He loves you in all the details of your life. You know that? That God's love is so infinite that he can love us and know us finitely. 
And we're going to look at the story of the transforming power of Jesus at work in an individual who lived on the margins of society. And as you hear this story, I want you to imagine in your own life, to look at your own life and ask the question, Jesus, are you inviting me into a transforming experience this morning? So the passage you're going to look at is Acts chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 3. It's in the New Testament, just a little ways in. And we're going to look at a few verses. Uh, In honor of God's word, let's stand together. Acts chapter 3, and we'll begin in verse 1. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entering the, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's, astounded. And, and when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. He said, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we've made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. When, you, when he had decided to release him, But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. Jesus, this is a remarkable story. And it's all about you. And so we do pray that you would speak to us this morning. That you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive and the courage to respond to what you say to us this morning. We commit this morning to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you may be seated. Now as a reminder to the kids, you have your crossword puzzles, right? Are you paying attention? I got some tricky words in there just to kind of keep you on your toes, all right? So pay attention to these words. Okay, so in this story, in this story, uh, it begins with two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John. And they're making one of their daily trips to the temple in Jerusalem. And for a long time, the early Christians continued uh, the custom of going to the temple and praying because most of the early Christians were Jews. 
And so there'd be set times to pray throughout the day. There'd be 9 a.m., there'd be 12 p.m. In this story, they're heading to the temple at 3 p.m. And what you would find often at the entrance gates of, of temples is you would find, you'd find beggars. There'd be a lot of beggars um, and, and places of worship. Um, and they'd be situated usually right at the entranceway because they knew, they knew that it's kind of awkward to go in to worship Yahweh, to worship God, the giver of all mercy, and not actually show mercy to somebody who's in need. And so these beggars, they would often be situated right at the, at the entranceway. And so in this passage, we read about a man who is crippled from birth. And he's at the entrance gate, and the name of the entrance gate is interesting, it's called Beautiful. And so what I want you to do this morning is I want you to imagine. Use your imaginations. Now, kids, you're all over this. You're always using your imaginations, right? I want all of us to use our imagination. And I want you to imagine what it would be like to be this beggar. So I want you to put yourself in his place. Listen, hear the crowds on the street walking by. Smell the smells. Feel the dust on your hands, on your clothing, in between the dry cracks on your hands and on your face. You're leaning because you can't walk. And so feel the hard wall against you, the hard ground under you. And imagine what your life would be like. Imagine what your life has been like. Every day, every day, someone comes to you and picks you up and carries you to the temple. Are they friends of yours? Are they men exploiting you, demanding a, a slice of whatever money you bring in during the day? And every day they pick you up and they carry you and they plop you down at the same place every morning, the entrance of the temple. And every day, every day, for four, almost 40 years, this has been your life. You're stuck there, asking for money. It's the same misery. You can't walk, so you're stuck there. And so... What do you eat during the day? What do you do when your bladder is full? What time would you be taken home? What time would, would people come and pick you up and take you? And what would home even be? And the thing is, it's been like this every day. Every day it's been like this. 
again and again and again. And here's the thing. When you look to the future, when you look to the future, what do you hope for? Nothing. Because your days are going to be like this to, your, to the end of your days. And it's a cruel life. Spending your life begging, dependent on foot traffic of the pious entering the temple. But this day, you see two men. You survey the crowd and you spot these two men. And what makes these two men a little bit different is they look at you. They don't do what everybody else does and kind of, you know, cover their head as they walk into the town. They look at you. And you're like, huh. Maybe today's going to be a good day. What's more, they don't just look at you. They stop. And they draw close. And you think, well, maybe these guys are going to give me something. And the fellow's kind of strange because one of the, 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 the bigger guy, the bigger guy, Oh, Burley, he looks at you and he says, look at me. You're like, all right. And then he says these words, silver and gold, I have not. I have nothing to give to you. And you're like, okay, that doesn't help. <laughs> Talk about a disappointment. But then he says these perplexing words. He says to you, he says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. And then he says these words. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And something happens. You've never felt your legs before. But you feel your legs, your feet, your ankles, they begin to feel strong. And the big guy, the big guy who said all this to you, he reaches down with his right hand and he, and he invites you to do something that you've never done in 40 years. Stand up. Grabs you. And wonder of wonders, you can stand. Oh, you can stand. You can stand. Not only can you stand, you can jump. You can leap. All right, where's the kids? Kids, you got to stand up. I need, I need some jumpers, I need some people to jump, okay? So kids, stand up. <laughs> and adults, if you want, it doesn't matter. All right, let's see a, let's see a, a, a healthy jump. Okay, now... Differentiate that. Make it a leap. Okay, it looks the same, yeah. <laughs> okay? You can sit down now. <laughs> that was good. You're jumping. You're leaping. And it's funny. If you read the passage, notice how many times you come across the word jump and leap. The guy doesn't want to walk. And I get that. <laughs> he's, he's been lame for over 40 years. And he's jumping. And he's hopping. And he's leaping. And maybe his mind, maybe his mind would have gone to this, this passage that he had heard somebody speak about a long time ago, one of the prophets, the prophet Isaiah, 
where it had this messianic promise that there was a person who would come. And the, and, the, and the text in Isaiah 35 verse 6 says this, then the lame man shall leap like a deer. And he's like, man, I am leaping like a deer. And you look up and you look around and everybody's staring at you. Everybody you've seen walk by you every day. They're stopping. Their mouths are open. They're like, what, what, what just happened? Now, one thing you know for sure is from that moment on, your life will never, ever be the same again. And the difference is Jesus Christ. This poor beggar has been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And now he's able to hop. He's able to leap. He's able to jump. He's able to go. And he goes with Peter and John, the big guy and the smaller guy. He goes with them. And he goes into the temple for the first time. He goes into the temple for the first time. And he worships the God who had healed him. Wow. Now, I know that many of you, many of you here this morning have experienced healing in your own life. Some of you have experienced physical healing, emotional healing, always spiritual healing, and your life has never been the same. And, and I get that because, you know, I didn't grow up in the church, and I remember when I encountered Jesus for the first time, my life was changed. I always remember a buddy of mine, he kept looking at me. He was, he was a Christian, he was in, instrumental in me coming to faith. And he kept looking at me, he goes, what's the matter with you? And I said, what do you mean what's the matter with you? He goes, you're always smiling. And I did, I had like this perma grin on my, which it was a little strange, I, I, I admit. But, but I just couldn't stop smiling. And I wanted to sing. I only knew Rush and Led Zeppelin and a few ACDC songs, which... Probably were not the greatest songs to be singing, right? <laughs> but I could do a mean Getty Lee, but uh, I won't do it. Um, but I wanted to sing. And so I've shared this before. I, I would be riding my bicycle. I lived in, in, in China at the time. I lived in Shanghai. I'd be riding my bicycle singing because I wanted to worship, and I just knew Christmas carols. And so I, but I only knew the first line or two because I couldn't remember them, right? So I'd be singing, Oh, come all ye faithful... You know, I couldn't remember the rest, but I would want to sing. And that was a transformation that took place. And many of you, I know many of you, can give similar stories. Because when Jesus is at work, stuff happens. Now, I think there's some interesting themes in this story. I just want to share a couple of them. One of the things that we need to notice in this passage is where healing comes from. Jesus is the source of healing. Peter says to the beggar, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I love Peter's response. When Peter sees this, he sees a crowd gathering around. Peter's like, ha, this is an opportunity to share. He gives it, take, takes the opportunity to speak. The people are utterly astounded. And Peter looks at them, and I love what he says. He says, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us? Why are you looking at us as though it was by our own power or piety we've made this person walk? Peter and John, he said, why are you guys looking at us? It has nothing to do with us. What you see happening is a result of Jesus. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. 
Me and John, man, we're just witnesses. We're just witnesses to this reality. And I love what it says. Look in verse 16. The interesting words. Peter says, and his name, Jesus' name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. This man was healed by faith in the name of Jesus. Whose faith? Who had faith? Is it the man's faith? Actually, the text is unclear. And I think it's intentionally unclear. Because it puts our attention on the right person. It's the reality of Jesus Christ and the implications of his life, death, and resurrection that bring about healing and transformation. So what does this say to you and me today? Well, I think for starters, our attention needs to be on the author of life, Jesus Christ. It's never about you and me. It's never about us. And you think if somebody had some qualifications, it would be Peter and John. And they're like, hey, it's got nothing to do with us. It's all about Jesus. And that's an important thing for us to remember because sometimes, sometimes you'll come across people who will say, you know what? I have the gift of healing. You want to be healed? You come and I will heal you. And, you know, I'll have some catchers and I'll go press them. You're healed and you'll fall down and, and you'll be, oh, yeah. And you know what? For $49.99, you too can be healed. Right? Stay away from them. The Benny Hens of this world, stay away from them. They got nothing. There is power. The healing is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Not in somebody who says, oh, I have this healing power. Here's Peter and John. Peter and John. They, and they knew Jesus' teaching, that whoever exalts themselves will be humbled, whoever humbles themselves will be exalted. So Jesus is a source of healing. And secondly, and this is really important, is that there's power in the name of Jesus. But we need to be careful here. Jesus' name is not magic. You can't just say Jesus and expect a miracle. Yeah, you know, that's the nature of, 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 of paganism. In the first century, in the first century, that uh, if, if you listen to pagan prayers, and I've read pagan prayers from the Roman Empire in the first century because it's fun to do those things. Um, but one of the things about paganism in the first century is that when you prayed in a temple, you had to get the words exactly right because the words were magic. If you get it exactly right, then good things will happen or, or the gods will be appeased or whatever. If you make a mistake, you have to stop and start from the beginning again. And getting the wording right makes a difference. And it's so good as Christians, we don't fall into that. Ah, sometimes we do. Did you say, did you pray this way? Did you, did you lay hands on them? Did, 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 you, did, you, did you do it exactly like this? 
Sometimes I hear Christians saying, well, no wonder your prayer didn't work. You have to say it this way. You have to say, in Jesus' name. Did you say, in Jesus' name? No, well, no wonder it didn't work. Be careful. That sounds a lot like paganism. Because Jesus is not a magic word. And I love what Peter, because Peter, he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter doesn't just say, hey, ta-da, I said Jesus' name. What does he do? He says, let me tell you who this Jesus is. It's not some magic name. It's not some magic words. I'll tell you who Jesus is. And then the next part, that's what he does. What does he say? He says, Jesus, he's the servant of the Lord. He is, he's the holy one. He is the righteous one. He is the author of life. He is the risen one. He is the healer, the source of, of, of the powers of the kingdom of God. He's the sufferer appointed by God through whom sins may be wiped out. He's the long-promised Messiah. He's the returning one through whom God will restore everything. He's a prophet foretold by Moses. He's David's promised heirs foretold by Samuel. He is the offspring of Abraham through whom all the peoples of the world will be blessed. That's who Jesus is, right? And so we need to recognize this. And that's why I'm always saying we need to go deeper and deeper in our understanding of, of who God, how God has revealed himself in his word. We need to be people of the book and know his word well. And the deeper we know God's word and we know who he is, then when, when trouble comes, we, we, we can draw from a deep well. And I've said this before, but... If, if, if you follow Jesus, you cannot, even for the rest of your life, if you try to plumb the depths of who Jesus is and the implications for this world, you'll never reach the bottom. You'll just go on forever, and you, can, and, and, and you go deeper and deeper. And as followers of Jesus, we can't just skim the surface. We need to go deep. Because, well, not especially, but in the West, I do think, If you do align yourself to Jesus, trouble is coming. It's going to be harder and harder. And I say this to you young people in particular. uh, It's going to be harder and harder for you to be a public Christian, to be open about your faith. Now, we're just playing catch-up for what the rest of the world's experienced for centuries. But I think if you align yourself to Jesus, it could cost you your job, it could cost you a promotion, it could land you in hot water. And that's why we need to be rooted and grounded in truth. That's why we run these programs like Alpha. That's why we have small groups. And most importantly, my classes. No. <laughs> you know I had to. I had to. <laughs> Sorry, no, not just most important. Oh, we can't say, oh, that was live streamed. Sorry. Yeah, I was joking. <laughs> but the thing is, the, the thing is, but we have to be careful here. We have to be careful because, because, yes, knowing, and we need to know, and we need to go deeper and deeper, but knowledge in itself is not enough. Um, and this is really important. One of the dangers is that you can know the Bible inside and out and miss Jesus. And that's a danger because, one, you may not know you're missing Jesus. I know the Bible. Uh, but are you encountering Jesus through prayer and through, through walking in his ways? The other thing is nobody else will suspect that you're missing Jesus because, hey, after all, he knows the Bible. 
But you can know the Bible and miss Jesus. One of the things that's absolutely important is we need word. We also need spirit. We need the, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's the next point, is that we live in the power of the Spirit. And we must never forget that the work done in the early church in the book of Acts was done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And many of you can bear witness to this. I mean, I know in my own life, there's times where I've spoken, and afterwards I'm like, oh, that was awesome. (laughs) Could I have been more articulate? I think not, right? And I thought, this is so good. And it had zero effect. I said, well, what do you think of the message? Oh, and there's other times where it's just like, what was that? Like I stumble and I fumble and I, and it's just, and I think, okay, you know, I'm going to go back and work in a bookstore because this, this was terrible. And people come up and they're in tears. I'm like, why? Well, because you said this. I said, did I say that? I don't remember saying that. And the difference is the spirit, the spirit working through us. And there's dangers when we act as if we do not need God's power. And that's one of the dangers of the modern world, because the modern world teaches us to go through life with our head down, treating God as if he maybe doesn't exist, or if he does exist, he does not matter. We need to be careful. Now, there's a story. Kids, are you ready? There's a story of Thomas Aquinas, right? That's in your notes, right? Thomas, I threw that in just to throw you off there. Well, Thomas Aquinas is a theologian from the Middle Ages, from the 13th century. And it's an interesting story because he once called upon the Pope, Pope Innocent II. And when he came to visit Pope Innocent II, Innocent II was busy counting money. And he's stacking coins. And he says to Thomas Aquinas, he says, Oh, Thomas, you see... The church can no longer say silver or gold, I have not. Hmm? And I love Thomas's, um, Thomas Aquinas' response. He says, that's true, Holy Father. But neither can she say, rise up and walk. See, unless we get completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit, we're just operating on our own strength. And all that we accomplish will be, as Ecclesiastes points out, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. And this leads us to our final observation from this passage. And it's just something I noticed. Um, We we live the Christian life together. And I love the fact that Peter and John are still hanging out with each other. They're still hanging out. Now, maybe maybe they're remembering Jesus' teaching about, you know, going out into the world in twos. Either way, they're still hanging out. And together, they experience this miracle. And I think it's a, it's a reminder to our own lives that the Christian life is never a solitary affair. It's never about just me and Jesus. The Christian life is to be lived out in the context of friendship. Friendship really matters. We need Christian friendship. We need Christian friendship for starters because Christian friendship helps us grow. Um, one of my closest friends is Brad Strelaw, Pastor Brad, and he and I for... For, oh, for years, uh, we get together Thursday afternoon, and we just hang out. We, I mean, our offices are next to each other, so we hang out during the week. But we set aside uh, time specifically 
on Thursday afternoons, and we just talk life. And we challenge, and Brad will challenge me. You'll challenge me. And I'll challenge him. And as a result, we grow in our faith. Do you have a friend like this? You need a friend like this. Secondly, Christian friendship helps you when you're feeling weak spiritually. I have a good friend of mine in England. Uh, he and I, every week, we, uh, we email each other. And he's always sending me notes of encouragement. They're very timely. The other thing is that Christian friendship means you get to experience the transforming power of God together. And you get to see some amazing things together. So let me just tell you a quick story. This took place, I think, oh man, maybe 12 years ago, 13 years ago. I was with a buddy of mine, and uh, we were visiting a guy from our church who was not doing well. He was dying. So, we, so the family asked us to come and visit him in the hospital, and we get to the hospital. And this is a great guy. The, the, the guy who was dying, was, he was in his 80s, um, but had been you know, an active member of our church and a really good guy, but he was dying. And the family was all around, and everybody was crying, and, and, and I was there, and, and you, know, the, you know, he's on life support, and you hear the machine, beep, beep, you know, it's just kind of, any, any moment I'm expecting, you know, it to just go straight or whatever, and, and I'm praying. I said, okay, I'll, I'll pray for him, but I'm not praying for healing, because obviously he's going to die. Uh, so I just pray. I said, Lord, you know, take your servant. He's lived many great years, and, and uh, I'm praying away. And the family's around, and everybody's crying, and, and I get to the end, and I have my hand on them, and you know, in Jesus' name, amen. And, and I look down, <laughs> his name's Les. Les is looking at me. <laughs> and I look, I look, I said, Les? <laughs> he goes, yeah. <laughs> I said, I, I didn't know what to say. I just said, I said, uh, how's it going? <laughs> And he looked at me and goes, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I said, oh, I said, we're all here to see you, Les. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. And he looks around, and he's like, oh, that's great, yeah. I said, well, okay. And I honestly didn't know what to say. So I said, so I said to him, I guess I'll see you at the next men's breakfast. <laughs> And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'll see you there. <laughs> I said, okay. And the family's looking at me. I'm like, I don't know. And my friend and I were, and we're walking out. And I said, see you, Les. <laughs> and Les is lying. He's like, see you, David. <laughs> and he ended up recovering and living for, 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 for quite a while. And, and I'm, I'm walking with my friend. I said, what just happened? I said, I don't know. Because it's, like, it's not like I was praying for healing. I was praying, you know, I was ready to put coins on his eyes. I mean, that's what I thought. I was... <laughs> and, but afterwards, my friend and I, we just laughed. And we're like, well, that's God working despite us, right? <laughs> oh. Well, and that's the thing. With Christian friendship, you get to experience some pretty, pretty amazing things. And the other thing about Christian friendship is it does keep you out of trouble. Man, having somebody with you um, helps because they, they challenge you. Are you sure you should be doing this? Are you sure you should be doing this? 
And how many pastors I know who get into a lot of trouble simply because they try to do it on their own and they end up in all sorts of trouble. And finally, Christian friendship. You know why Christian friendship is so important? Is a Christian friend will remind you at important times that you are not crazy for believing in Jesus. And we need that. I've shared this before, but the strategy of the evil one is very clear. He wants to get you to the point where you think you're the last Christian on earth. And you say to yourself, I must be crazy for believing this. And when you're there, he's got you. You're done. A Christian friend will look at you, and when they're struggling, they'll look at you and they'll say, is he truly risen? And you look at him and you say, he's risen indeed. And that will keep you going, right? That'll keep you going. And you need a friend like that because there's, if you're like me, there's moments is like, am I crazy? No, I'm not. Jesus is alive. He reigns. And I know that the worst thing that I experience in life will not be the last thing, but it'll be joy and peace. All right? So we need, we need this. We need friendship because they're going to spur you on and help you make it to the end. And one of the challenges with our world today, especially here in the West, is that many of us, many of us, um, we can get behind a lot of great causes, but the challenge we face is stamina and making it to the end, reminding ourselves that the Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. And we need to make it to the end. And there's so many things that will trip us up. But friendship will encourage us to make it to the end. Do you have that kind of friend? If not, find one. And this is what we hope you can find one here. This is why we have Alpha. This is why we have small groups. This is why we have all these different things. We have, you know, Flannel Fest yesterday. All these things for friendships to be formed. We run our men's breakfast, and the big vision for our men's breakfast is it's just a place for people to find, find a friend. That's all it is. We need to make it to the end. Too many people are falling short. Some of you are here this morning. You're hanging on by a thread. You need friendship. You need to make it to the end. Does that make sense? All right, let's pray. God of grace, We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. All history is found in him. All meaning is found in him. And our lives will only work when they're aligned and built according to the great architect, when our our destiny is found aligned with Jesus. Only then will our lives be meaningful. And apart from Jesus, we are spinning our wheels, heading down blind alleys, looking for things to fulfill, but they do not deliver. Jesus, we come back to you. Be our life. Be our everything. And Lord, we pray for the gift of friendship that you would lead us deeper into friendships, existing friendships that we would go deeper, or where we long for friendships that you would provide a soul friend for the journey. That's our desire. We commit our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. 
You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.